So, when we're cultivating and uh, reflecting on the fruits of cultivation, enjoying the fruits of cultivation, um, this is a heart process. Um, it's important to both lay down the seeds, cultivate, which means often careful, sustained, patient, you know, letting things grow, appreciating the results, feeling nourished, enriched, sustained by that. Gradually clearing one's sense of anguish and anxiety and grudge and fear and all the pains of life. That's for one's well-being in this very life. And we may think this is about mystical experiences, perhaps well-being is a mystical experience. <laughs> you know, considering how distraught and uh, hurt people get by just by being around and you know lack of respect, lack of mutual respect, lack of proper standards, lack of proper values, lack of caring for each other, lack of that. And how painful that is, you know. And damaging, not just painful but damaging. Mm. So often people have to just really do repairing and damaging. So it's not just pain is is momentary brief, but damage is when stuff gets into your heart and destroys your faith or your um, your balance or your sense of trust. Um, you know, one gets fearful, negative, embittered. Um, as we see today, you know, somebody reflecting on a person's suicide. You know, human beings are the only creatures that kill themselves. Um, that's how, you know, that we may value our intellectual clarity. Intellectual clarity doesn't stop you killing yourself. You know. Bears don't kill themselves. <laughs> no, it's loss of heart, isn't it? And it's that important. We lose heart, what's the point? Continuing. Mm. So cultivating heart, it's not just some kind of, um, you know, esoteric experience. It's actually just sustaining. Without it, you're in, you're in trouble. Yeah. Mm. Heart gets damaged by betrayal and um, abuse, or sometimes just because there's just no proper care, so that we don't even grip, you don't get built right. You get built nervous, mistrustful, fearful. Mm. Yeah, feeling you're inadequate. You've got to do something, you know, to prove yourself. Very isolated. This is not uncommon. Mm. 
we can kind of, where does it begin? You know? It's generally people who abuse are those who were abused. You pass it on. You'd never really known what it's like to feel steady and full and complete. Chances are you've got kind of cranky, you know, behavior and flares of anger, irritability, lashing out, and then doing damage to others who then get damaged and they pass that on. So we realize our heart is constantly in the field of becoming. It's being shaped, shaped by what affects it. These aren't sensations. You know, it's not physical sensations that affect it, it's, you know, love and, love and hate, you know, scorn and respect, and, uh, you know, virtue and trustworthiness and jealousy and betrayal, that's what affects it. And, uh, you know, the, the kind of really, un, really poignant thing is that we cannot, be, we cannot be immune from physical discomfort. We cannot say, let there be no coal, let there need be no sharp objects, let there need be no physical problems, let there be no sickness. We can't say that. But we do have some say over what our hearts could become. <laughs> we do have some say over, I need not, you know, scorn, despise, abuse other people, you know or other creatures. I do have some say over that. I don't have to do that, you know. It's possible. And uh, realizing if we're not if we're not cultivating, then the likelihood is we will be offensive and you know, to others and you know we don't need to do that. But it gets Mind gets, heart gets stuck, gets lost, gets confused. It was oppressed, constricted. Mm. So you have to really put some attention into strengthening it, clarifying it, and healing it. So we're not irritable and uh, insensitive. You know, we kind of get born, like physical birth occurs, you know, there you are, you've done it. But the heart is being reborn every moment. <laughs> it's constantly, you know, developing and changing and shifting. It just never stops. Uh, and uh, so the theme is, if you just keep putting it in an atmosphere of goodwill and steadiness and reliable, you know, it it will it will be shaped by that. And this is called the skillful becoming. And the Buddha praise this. If you don't if we can't there's something we can do and if we don't become skillful we become purely the heirs to what's happened to us. Karma. We just become subject to events that have happened in the past. We want to get out of that actually, you know 
reset. And if they, we don't do this, then the chance that we never really step out of the shadows. We never really step out of a history. Yeah. So that fortune of becoming acts as a, a an abiding place mm. where you can, where the jitta can, you know, step free of compulsions and then begin to really cultivate deep penetrative understanding of cause and effect conditions and the relinquishment of you know compulsion compulsive conditions compulsive urges compulsive passions compulsive attachments mm. because now it's got some strength it stands on its own it's not hanging on to belongings it's not hanging on to some kind of egotism it's not hanging on to views and opinions it's not hanging on to me and mine it doesn't need that it stands in its own well-being it doesn't need this stuff and the thing is, if we don't stand in that well-being we will need that stuff <laughs> if we don't find our well-being we will tend to say I want to be famous I want to be acknowledged I want to be important I want to be effective I want to be efficient I want to be this I want to be that you know course that's instinctive then we get grasping and competitive and he's got more than I got and she always gets this and I don't get it and this kind of stuff goes on holding on and then stress starts happening yeah so it's cultivation Because it's heart cultivation, it's not something you can really you know, do with your intellect or mind-driven. Like, I, will, you know, I could learn French, for example. My brain could learn that. But I can't learn trust from a book. You know, and I could sit and look at the word, think about it, think how good it would be to be that way. boost myself but it's all brain work doesn't saturate the heart just stays in as ideas heart cultivation is a different thing different dimension and it's important to recognize this because naturally we receive these teachings as words as ideas Uh, there's a vast and dazzling uh, array of, of real, you know, definitely teachings and truths that are powerful and potent, um, you know, very elaborate. But, um, you know, so you can get into kind of intellectual, oh, that's great, great, great. Mm, yeah. But to distill that into heart experience, that's cultivation. Yeah. So generally you're studying something you should think of terms if you read one they say you read a book and walk a thousand miles <laughs> it's rather like that if you spend one hour studying you should spend ten hours practicing it well, at least yeah. 
sometimes, you know, even a few ideas, really getting them in, this is deep stuff, it can take months, years. Because, you know, it's it's to actually get it to move in there. But what makes it um, more possible is if we really, you know, operate from the heart, we begin to value those heart qualities above all else. And so very simply speaking, you know, the Buddha, when he gave his initial teachings to to people who'd never had any understanding, he said, you begin with generosity. This is not a difficult idea. Intellectually, it's pretty bad. And he says, you know, your generosity can be material things, you know, uh, hospitality, please, please, please share. Uh, can I, you know, and it can be um, medicine, how can I help you? Or it can be just advice. You know, we, 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 we give, just that turning rather than calculate. And so you immediately, right there, you're entering into that particular organ. You could say the organ of the heart. And you feel, why does he, why does he say this? Because everybody likes it. We all, we all like that experience of giving. So it's a fun experience. You're joyful. You know? And you're not nervous. And you're kind of... Um, <coughs> that's the way norm- people normally connect to each other, you know. Go and see somebody, give, bring a bunch of flowers, bring them a gift. That's the way we move into a sense of mutuality. You know, whereby the normal social anxieties that can occur between people are easily dispelled. You know, and social anxiety is very normal. You know, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right time? What does she think of me? Am I being too strong? Am I not making myself clear? You know, how am I looking in her eyes, in his eyes? Am I doing okay? You know that. What am I? What's, you know, am I welcome? I'm not welcome. All this kind of human stuff. And so on. Just, you know, yeah. <laughs> and of course, the purification of it is no, no, nothing's expected back. Just because I got, I got the gift already. I got the gift of giving. That that felt good already. You know. And then, so then you know, the Buddha said, this is cultivation. Because then you're entering, you're switching on the right piece. You're switching on the right organ. And you can do it. And it's nice, and you feel good. And it, it, you can see results in terms of how you relate to other people and how other people relate to you. Because the essential thing is, what we're doing is... A, recognizing entering into the world of mutuality and yeah you know this is a big step actually because a lot of our culture these days is based upon individuality rather than mutuality you know individuality individual success to be better than to be competitive to be the top be better than to prove yourself 
to prove yourself. If you prove yourself, then you can hold your head up. Okay. Yeah. Mm. You look good enough. You're wearing the right clothes. Fine. You're acceptable. So it's very self-conscious and competitive. If you're not good enough, then you know, get left out. Mm. And that's uh, sad. And it's it's evident, and it's also um, abused because people get left out just because uh, you know they don't have enough money, and then suddenly you're seen as lesser than, and you can't get the education, you can't get the health, you can't get the legal assistance, you can't get you know what you need to have in this society because it's all paid for. There's no giving in it. You pay for it. You know? That's, not, that's the way it is. But, you know, can you just recognise what it's like if, you know, if you, somebody pays you for something. Okay. You pay me to give you a talk. <laughs> okay, I want 15 quid. No, no, come on. 50 quid. <laughs> Pay me to give you a talk, <laughs> right? How do, you, how do you think that would affect me? I'd feel I've got to do a good talk, I, you know, I've got to make top-class talk, win it, and then so forth. Very unpleasant experience. And then you say, was that worth 50 quid? No. Nah. <laughs> 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 we're looking at the whole thing in the wrong way, you know? Whereas it's freely given and freely listened to, and you can, you can, you can ignore it if you like. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> then in a sense, of just, it's the proper way to transmit things. You know? And yet you recognise you're paying for medical care. And yeah, doctors have got to live, of course, but isn't it strange you have to pay somebody to take your pain away? You're in, so if you see someone in pain, wouldn't you want to, them to not be in pain? Right? Of course you would. So you say, well, sorry, <laughs> you haven't got any money, sorry, you're not getting it. How would that feel? Yeah. But because of that, the professionalism of it, you see, you get these crazy situations where there's some accident, a doctor won't help because he might get sued. You know, if he makes some mistake, he might get he might get litigation against him. Because, you know, this whole crazy world of paying for compassion. What does that do to it? You know. Mm. So, isn't isn't it quite natural that any one of us, with just this quality of heart, you see something suffering, you want to stop it? That's compassion. You don't have to say, "How do I practice compassion?" <laughs> if you enter the the territory of mutuality to others as to myself, to recognizing when the self boundaries dissolve, we're in a rather pleasant place. 
when the self-boundaries result, we're not anxious and we're not measuring who's better or whether I'm worthwhile and whether I'm wasting your time or whether I'm good enough or you're good enough or how long it's going to all that stuff dissolves, we're in a rather pleasant place where all kinds of natural energies can start to flow and we feel nourished by that. Yeah. So you enter those territories of loving-kindness and compassion and appreciation and serenity, you know, which is, things are difficult now, let's just hold, be, hold faith with each other, things are difficult, let's not jump to conclusions, let's, you know, just hold faith, hold the balance, let things change. The heart can do that. So essential because, um, you know, if we learn to review our experience through the mind and the brain, the statistics just, you know, daily statistics, you feed on daily statistics, <laughs> you know, you really get depressed. <laughs> and feeling impotent. And what's the point? Yeah. It's abstract. And entering in this territory of mutuality, and where the self boundaries soften, and that becomes possible because in hearts, because if there's proper uh, respect, non-abuse, non-manipulation, non-deceiving, you know, non-domination, then. We, we feel we can let some of those self-boundaries down. We feel safe, we feel we can trust. And naturally, once you're in a trusting sense with other people, this high energies flow quite naturally. Yeah. So this is the way the Buddha taught it. Dana, sila. Yeah. And so there's qualities of heart. And uh, that, that by itself, if you contemplate and dwell in it, and the results of those, and the causes of those, uh, the causes of that, because they're happy, and they take stress out of life. <laughs> and the right kind of happiness. Happiness of ease and freedom from fear and freedom from anxiety, freedom from bitterness. And, mm-hmm. They take stress out of life. Freedom from having to perform to be the best and on top or great or anything. Take the stress out of it. It's that kind of happiness. Mm-hmm. And you can dwell in that. Dwelling in that one's able to let go, renounce, start giving up unnecessary this, that and the other. And you can see how people who haven't cultivated that, there is no limit to the greed because they're trying to feed themselves, acquiring millions, billions, properties, gobbling things up. 
world projects. Fame. What's he trying to do? Trying to feed. But it doesn't go in. It's like, like say the Buddha said the rain could the gold could, could it could rain gold and you could not drink it. It won't satisfy you. It's the wrong stuff. So that movement, you know, so this news clip, they found this, um, they designed this Rolls-Royce car, which they sold to somebody, anonymous on Flizzy. The car cost 30 million pounds. It's a nice car. Because <laughs> thirty million pounds for a car. Well, it's more than a car, it's a dream. Every luxury in it. But, wow. Wow. Does that you know what could you do with thirty million pounds? How much pain could you solve with thirty million pounds? You know, how many people could you look after with 30 million pounds? And probably, these people spend 30 million pounds on a car, you've obviously got quite a few billion in the bank. How much could you, how much good could you do with that? And yet you could spend 30 million pounds on a car. What, I mean, is that, what kind of sanity is that? You know, it's completely gone off, <laughs> off the off the value sphere, in my opinion. You know, so, we, so this nourishment of heart means you just, you know, you don't really wouldn't want a car like that anyway. What can you do with it? Fancy, you know drive into Petersfield to pick up some food for the cat in your 30 million pound I don't think so. Where can you take the thing? So you say, I don't want it. It's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. It's, to, to be that imbalanced be that out of touch, to be that imbalanced in terms of your, you can't share your wealth, to be that imbalanced and present it. Look, this is how greedy I am. <laughs> ashamed. <laughs> Rather than pleased. <laughs> it's how selfish I am. <laughs> Who can be the most selfish? <laughs> people do but then 
you know, just even more, more modestly, just considering, you know, sometimes people say, well, how do you practice loving kindness? How do you do it? You know, how do you do loving, how do you practice loving kindness? You know, so, you know, I find myself get irritable and I've got to practice loving kindness to, should I practice loving kindness to, how can I practice loving kindness to Vladimir Putin? How can I practice loving kindness to da 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 da? You know, you got this kind of. Oh, he's not worth my loving kindness. We had a uh, few years back. We had a couple of rather strange vicars <laughs> here who lived next to each other, and they were, they weren't getting on very well. So one lived in one room, one lived in the other. They were always getting into conflict over misunderstandings and different ways of seeing things. And then if one monk said, I'm, you know, I'm practicing, I spent an hour practicing loving kindness towards this, this mother monk, and I wasted my time because it didn't change him a bit. I think I wasted a whole hour of loving kindness on that guy. <laughs> He's still. <laughs> so I'm not going to do any more loving, you're not going to send my loving kindness that way. It's wasted now. I think there's somebody else who can make use of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, I, think, I think this is a bit off track, you see, because that's, that's the way the mind can think of things. Like, he, he somebody annoys me, so I'll, practice, I'll throw him some loving kindness, that will change him <laughs> something else. <laughs> and really, it's more like, uh, you know, the Buddha never, never told us to do that. <laughs> You know, when you look in the suttas, it says you generate, you return, you generate this vihara, this abiding place of goodwill, and you just start to expand that sense in you know, any direction. It doesn't mean, you know, turn left at Petersfield, that direction. <laughs> it's just like directions of the heart. You know, what comes into the heart. So, open the heart, any direction, past, present, future, near, far, just whatever comes in you let that sense of a real energy of you know care and concern and uh, warm-heartedness just extending you know and you're finding something where it's getting challenged you know somebody irritated by it. just let's, let's look at that again what's irritating me their behavior their behavior is irritating and just Recognize they behave because of causes and conditions. That's not themselves, that's causes and conditions. That's why they behave like that, because of causes. They're messed up, essentially. <laughs> so, oh, they've got the disease. They've got the disease of selfishness. Yeah. Okay, so we all get a touch of that. So instead, we turn towards compassion. Doesn't mean you expect them to change, but you don't let these obsessive grudges saturate your heart and turn you sour. So you keep that vihara established. <coughs> As you open your heart, then you, anyone who you feel you have difficulties with, you recognize the heart is getting stopped there, then it needs to reflect upon not self, these are causes and conditions, this is a perception arising in my mind, 
and I don't need to keep the ill will going. You know, what they are, that's their, what they are or they aren't, that's up to them to do their work on or to waste their life with or whatever, but I don't let the sense of bitterness, grudge, stay in my heart because this is my territory, you know. And if you, if they stay there, those bitterness, grudge, irritation, however justifiable it is, that stays in your heart. That's what you live with. That's what you die with. That's you're getting you're getting results of that. Yeah. So we're not looking at a tribunal who's right and wrong. We're looking very pragmatically at what clarifies and purifies and elevates the heart internally. Yeah. I don't need the resentment. How do I work with it? Well, consider. Beings are heirs to their karma. Beings act in foolish ways. Beings get deluded. That's his issue. That's her issue. You know, I have been foolish. I have messed up. I have made mistakes. This is my carelessness. Then make the resolution. I should not act in this way. And then instead of going into bitterness, just forgive. These are causes and conditions. Don't keep the conditions going. Don't keep the conditions going because they'll shape you. You know, you can have issues with a partner, marriage, children who didn't behave properly. Yeah, totally true. Right, yes, absolutely. The tribunal will not cure the pain. Will not clear it. Judging people will not clear it. Right and wrong will not clear it. <laughs> yeah. And so it stays there. Mm. Feeling let down, feeling disappointed, feeling betrayed, it will not change it. Instead we feel those, those heart energies where they go hard and hurt and wounded and you stay steady, calm yourself. Return to where you feel confident with this warmth just keep spreading, expanding your attention, like moving the energy of goodwill over these areas which are inflamed, sore, bitter. Not, you know, and you're not, and that's it. So there's no mental demand, go away. Yeah, it's just that. Now, if I put medicine on a wound, I put medicine on the wound, the medicine cures it. If I put medicine on the wound saying, go away wound, go away, stop it, stop being that way, that, that's useless. <laughs> I don't put medicine on the wound and say, that's a wound, it shouldn't be like this. It's terrible, that wound is terrible, it shouldn't have been that way. I've made a mistake, they hurt me, it's terrible, that doesn't do it. You don't need the mental dialogue. <laughs> Just put the medicine on it. Yeah. So it's really, you know, it's very beautiful. Very beautiful. Because when we don't do the dialogue, we don't do the topic, we don't do the event, we don't do the, he said this, but he did that. 
she never did this, they ought to have done that. We don't do that dialogue, we don't do this tribunal, we're not in a law court of right and wrong, we're not into punishment and who's right and who's wrong. You know, and you've got to really, one has to really recognize the temptation of that. This is the individual asserting their rights. And that's understandable. But, you know, don't we want to get beyond that to some of this just uh, really compassionate and understanding the frailties and the problems of the human condition? So that, because okay, you know, I've decided he's a failure enough, but then somebody else is going to annoy me, or I'm going to make a mistake and hurt somebody else. So it never ends. But if you're dwelling in the heart, the chances that you live in a respectful, caring way with other beings means you do less damage to others, or no damage to others, and actually generate harmony and support in others. And you feel good. And whether they deserve it or not doesn't really matter. That's, that's, that's a different topic altogether. Mm. So we don't, you know, so you very directly, when you take these cultivations of loving kindness and compassion or metta, karuna and so forth, take them deeply into the heart, use them in the territory of the heart, there's no story there. There's just ache, there's just tremble, there's just sorrow. And then just refrain from creating the story of who and why and when. Just, and you can acknowledge these shadows and these inflamed areas and these sore patches and just, it's okay. It's okay to be that way. That's the way it is. We don't lament over, I shouldn't be like, that's the way it is. And that sense, it begins with that acceptance. You know, rather than shrinking away from one's irritability or depression. It's like this. Don't move away from the wound, but do, and you'll find that if you don't move away from it, and you don't go into the stories, and you don't go into the self-imagery, I'm a victim, I'm pathetic, whatever, you stop that. And your heart will, will do it for you. You don't have to have the dialogue. The heart will naturally begin to warm and move through these difficult areas of our lives. And you know, I kind of think this is what we've got to do, really. In, in terms of, you know, we have so many years on this planet well, this body has so many years on this planet. And if you really, you know, just take a thought in mind. Now, what if 
there is such a thing as previous lives. And in some Buddhist traditions, this is totally unquestioned. And then they say, you know, in this case, all of us have, you know, betrayed our parents sometime or another. All of us have messed up. All of us have done brutal things. All of us have been selfish and stupid at some time or another. You know, so who, who's, right? So, you know, like, who's pointing the finger at who? Who's the right one who's pointing the finger at who? Who got the right to judge anybody else? Where did that come from? Yeah. Where did it come from? That thing, that, that drive that separates us. I am different from you. In this case, I'm worse than you. In this case, I'm better than you. This individuality, this sense of ego, this sense of self. Now, if that, so I've got, no, I've got no standpoint to judge anybody. Because what I can know is, you know, when I get careless, I can know that. I can directly feel that. You know, when I get annoyed, I can feel that. And these, and when I get frightened, I can feel that. Has nobody ever? Has nobody ever? We've all experienced these very human qualities. And in this sense of acknowledging that, then you know, we take those resolutions to not follow, not to pick up those you know, ignorant tendencies and instead generate goodwill. You have this possibility. You have no possibility to change the past. You've got no possibility to change everybody else. <laughs> but you do have a possibility to, this is the possibility. And maybe we just got to go through this life working out these tendencies we have with ourselves and others to form these exclusive self-positions and get beyond it. And these generations, these cultivations of goodwill, compassion, appreciation, gladness, appreciation, you spend some time acknowledging the gifts that have happened, the gift of life, gift of being on a green planet, fresh air, clean water, while it's there, before it goes. The gift of, of breathing in and breathing out, without pain, before that changes, before it becomes painful. The gift of being able to think before you, you know, get Alzheimer's or dementia. Instead of using the thinking mind to concoct crazy ideas, this is a precious capacity. Let's learn to manage it, steer it, do good with it, because it might not last that much longer. You know, a sense of more detail. And the good that others do. It's the good that we see around us. Keep your eyes open for it. The willingness, the cooperativeness, the giving, the, you know, and then you, then you really begin to 
dwell in a different world, in a heart world. Sometimes it's nothing much. <laughs> In our relationships, what else is there to say? Really? Every day, or most every day, I really more and more reflect upon my parents. I mean, I didn't really, didn't really, really deeply appreciate them when I was in my teens, when I lived with them. But now I recognise... They gave everything they could. They gave me everything they could. They may not have had it, may not have had everything, but everything they had, they gave. Wow. And there was no big sentimental, it was just normal. Absolutely. Dad worked himself crazy so the kid could get decent upbringing. Mother worked hard so the kid could get decent upbringing. There was no deal in it. They didn't make a big deal out of it. They just did it. Wow, that's amazing. You know, I hope I don't lose. I hope I can somehow live up to that example, just to give and give and give. Yeah. I hope I can don't, you know, despise the gift of life that they made, gave me, and the upbringing they gave me. Because yeah. they're dead now. So, yeah. I have a brother, as you probably might know. My brother has Alzheimer's, so he's in a home. And uh, my older brother, he was always, you know, weren't, had different ways of doing things, but he was never, he was always kind cheerful, supportive, looked after me when I was little, you know, and then he was, you know, doing his thing, businessman, and da, 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 da. and now he's this kind of Parkinson's and Alzheimer's in a home, all his wealth, all his belongings just mean nothing, you know, so I I'll go and see him, just because you have to, because he's your brother, you know. And one time he couldn't, because he couldn't speak, and he was completely kind of unavailable. It's kind of like completely blanked out. So I sat next to him, and his body's twitching with the outside. Parkinson's, I'm massaging him, getting his legs to relax a bit. I hold his hand, nothing, nothing happening. Speak to him, nothing happens. Try throw something else, speak to him, try to get something, nothing happens, I'm holding it, so just squeezing his hand, nothing's happening. So I think, look, so I shouldn't demand that he speaks to me. I'll just hold his hand. Hold his hand and then what can I do? I just love my brother. Practicing that, and so she started chanting Metta, Metta Sutta in Pali, squeezing hand and just chanting, bending over. Then his other hand comes over, 
takes my hand and gives it a big squeeze. I think it, that's that's enough. There's these two old guys <laughs> holding each other's hand and squeezing it. That took took me six hour trip to do that. Absolutely worthwhile. I think. If all I ever did in my life was squeeze my brother's hand, <laughs> that's good enough. Because <laughs> yeah. at that sense you felt something really was completely understood on a non-verbal level. The brain's gone, non-verbal level. Something was completely understood, where it meant something, where it counted, something was totally understood and transmitted. Loving kindness, gratitude, acceptance, friendship, just all... No words, just totally there. Thinking, yeah, that's that's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. You know, and then it's often these times when people pass away that we realise ah oh, suddenly all that you know what I really wanted to have made sure I did or said before somebody passes away is I like to say thank you I like to say forgive me I like to say I forgive you I like to say bless you move on you know and all these things that are just what intellectually heart level because when we're liberating each other from our fear and our anxiety and our sense of having to be important or necessary or useful or clear or complicated, we keep liberating each other from these positions that we adopt. And if we can, you know, cultivate like that, then we're getting it wrong, it doesn't matter. Make mistakes, it doesn't matter. We get upset, we can get over it. Uh, and that's that's the treasure of the heart. That's the possibility. And then when it does that, you don't get those grasped at persons, grasped at life stories, grasped at narratives going on in your head. <laughs> You've cleared it. Yeah. That's what it. That's what it means. Grasping. It means you end up. With a head full of beings who don't exist, <laughs> just giving you problems. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So it's good to turn, give yourself some time to consider some of these things, and um, you know, if you trust the heart, get it right, look after it. It will be a reliable guide yeah, for where you really need to go. So, offer these few words for your consideration, and uh, may you be well. <laughs>